Welcome back to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on this episode, we'll be learning about autonomous aircraft disinfection technology provided by a Canadian startup called Aerohygenics. On this episode, I recently had the chance to talk with J.P. Floyd. He is a Air Canada 787 check pilot and also the Senior Director of Compliance and Standards for Aerohygenics. Aerohygenics is a Canadian startup that really started gaining prominence in late 2020 with the introduction of their autonomous aircraft disinfection technology. And really since the outbreak of COVID and its impact on air travel, this was a topic that became and remains important for airlines to ensure that their aircraft are not only clean but properly disinfected prior to passengers getting on board and taking off for their flight. Several airlines, including new low-cost carrier Avello here in the U.S., as well as Ethiopian Airlines and Zambia Airways have adopted the Aerohygenics robot disinfection technology. During this episode, JP also explains how the technology works and the goals that Aerohygenics is looking to achieve with its autonomous aircraft disinfection technology. He also gives some unique perspective on why the aircraft cleaning and disinfection process used by most airlines today is inefficient, as well as some of his experience being a pilot and flying throughout some of the more challenging periods of the pandemic over the last few years. So let's get into our discussion with JP Floyd, Air Canada Boeing 787 pilot and senior director of compliance and standards for Aerohygenics. So JP, can you begin with an introduction to your name, job title, and a little background about your career in the aviation industry? Yeah, thanks, Woodrow. Uh, my name is John Paul Floyd. Actually, I go by JP Floyd, and I'm the uh, Senior Director of Standards and Regulatory Compliance for Aerohygenics. Uh, I'm actually a, a career pilot. Uh, I started my, my aviation career in the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, flew in the Canadian military and also with uh, with British Aerospace overseas. I was actually seconded to the Royal Air Force in the Middle East. And so that was the first 15 years of my flying career. And then for the last 24 years, I've been with Air Canada. I'm currently a Boeing 787 captain and check pilot. And uh, with my career with Air Canada has included about 14 or so of the 24 years in uh, in various management roles as well. Excellent. So uh, very impressive and, and kind of uh, extensive career in the industry to, to learn about. We're glad you're able to join us on the podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk about this startup that you're actually a part of called Aerohygenics. Um, can you tell us a little about the startup? What ultimately drove you to join this startup when it was founded? And uh, what do you see as kind of the need that, uh, you know, this startup is designed to fulfill within the air transportation industry? Yeah, so um, I initially met uh, the CEO of Aerohygenics, Arash Mahan. Uh, he and I were colleagues, or I, I suppose at, at Air Canada, he was one of the directors in uh, in IT, and we worked on numerous projects uh, in sort of keeping Air Canada in good pace with the industry. So um, at the time, I was manager of standards 
and uh, for flight operations at Air Canada, and Arash assisted me in many projects. So when he left Air Canada and decided to start up this this new company, he called me up because uh, of our shared background and because of my background in the standards and uh, regulatory sort of arena. And um, we found we had a common interest. He and his two other colleagues all had a, a real passion for aviation. I was certainly interested interested in the project because it was entirely novel. And uh, I thought it was something that could, um, well, I guess we all agreed on the vision that, you know, getting into the pandemic, we needed uh, some new and interesting ways of of helping getting passengers back uh, flying again. I mean, no one obviously thought that the pandemic would ever go on for two years. <laughs> Initially, we thought it might just be, you know, three to six months or something like that. But we really saw the need as a group to um, to come up with some modern solutions to, you know, sanitize aircraft and get people flying again. And uh, Arash had assembled a group of, um, uh, well, three brilliant people and asked me to come along um, to uh, to create this this robot, which could um, which could use UVC light in in sanitizing aircraft without any any risk um, to the staff using it or to to passengers, and getting away from the uh, the need for using uh, chemicals. So it was really um, it was really a novel idea at the time, and we we thought that we could offer a sort of an environment environmentally friendly solution. You know, that's very interesting, um, the way you sort of describe this startup and uh, your entry point into it. Um, and I, I'll just, I have to kind of follow up and ask. Um, so at the at kind of the start of the uh, pandemic, especially myself as an aviation journalist covering the industry, what was interesting to notice was um, it didn't, you know, almost air cargo specifically, that segment of aviation, it almost just kept going while almost every other area of life seemed to stop. And, it, you know, you almost there was this fear of going anywhere, really, and uh, being exposed to this virus that, of course, at the time, everyone was, was not as knowledgeable about as they are now. Um, and I want to ask about, uh, again, kind of your entry point into aerohygienics. Was the company kind of founded because of the problem brought on by the pandemic and, you know, this possible exposure, um, you know, to COVID-19 on aircraft specifically? Uh, and, and was that what kind of led you into it? Or was it already kind of started? Uh, and, you know, this, this problem was obviously kind of, um, you know, something of really big need for aircraft specifically because, uh, you know, operations needed to keep going despite what was happening then yeah you know well that, that's interesting I, I think back to the timeline i mean i guess people really were starting to hunker down around march or so of 2020 and it was it was shortly after that that aerohygienics got going um i never joined until august of that year but but certainly uh, i would say the pandemic was one of the big reasons why aerohygienics got going. I mean, it was nothing more than an, an idea up to that point. And yeah, the impetus really was, you know, to come up with better ways of doing things uh, as far as disinfecting. You know, it, it's funny that you talk about the cargo flights because I, I was one of those pilots who, who kept on flying through the whole thing. And um, 
even at our company, we sort of um, continued on with, with the cargo business throughout. So many, many flights I flew along with uh, sort of an, an eerie, empty aircraft, the, the belly full of cargo, but no passengers up top. We, we did a lot of that for over a year. So it was kind of a weird time. But um, the big thing I think for aerohygienics was, you know, how do we how do we move away from uh, using using the chemicals, which we started to find out were not necessarily great for aircraft interiors, and they weren't great for the people having to apply them as well, because you know there were there were reports of people getting um, uh, you know headaches and feeling not too well after they were uh, applying spraying or wiping on chemicals into uh, aircraft interiors. Yo, yeah, interesting. I mean, can can I ask just a little bit more about that time and what was it like as a pilot? Uh, because I think, again, you know, covering the industry, it, it just it just seemed like that segment especially just kept going. And it was, it was really, you know, thinking at the time of what is it like to be a pilot who has to, you know, keep flying during this time? Um, you know, were you just kind of like any other worker who has to go to an environment and, you know, you're, you're unaware of um, what, what this actual virus is at the time. And you, you, you know, you just want to take whatever kind of uh, prote- protective, you know, measures that you can. And, um, you know, you kind of realize you know, what we're doing right now isn't necessarily working, especially to combat this uh, particular problem. Yeah, well, it really was an interesting time. I mean, as you say, you know, you sort of do the best that you can with the information that you have. We, um, amongst the pilot group, we had to, uh, well, we were given test kits at home and tested ourselves and sort of trusted each other that we, we wouldn't come to work sick. Uh, we wore, we wore masks uh, just about everywhere we went to, except for in the cockpit when you're flying, you can't really wear a mask. So you're, you're trusting that the guys that you're working with are have the same attitude as you about not getting sick. But um, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting time. I mean, everything was empty, you know, even the uh, going across the ocean that we were probably maybe a half a dozen airplanes going across the Atlantic where you'd, you'd normally see hundreds and hundreds and then get to the other end and come to these airports, which are absolutely empty. You could, uh, you could fire a shotgun down the down the terminals and not hit anybody but it's um no it, it was a it, it was a very strange time for for quite a long time and it took a long time before we could sort of see see the light at the end of the tunnel and so now let's let's get back to aerohygienics a little bit and, and what it provides um just the the concept of disinfecting an aircraft and uh that being a part of you know, how an airline prepares an aircraft for a flight. Um, I think, you know, definitely myself as a, as a journalist, it just as a passenger, it's not necessarily something you think of immediately when you think of, you know, aircraft, you, you, you think of, you know, just the amazing sort of aerospace engineering feat this is to defy physics. But this 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 sort of um, you know need to disinfect not only the cockpit but the entire aircraft. Um, can you talk about that? What are some of the the you know main methods and tools that airlines use to disinfect aircraft? And you know how has that changed? And, and how is aerohygienics looking to to change that? 
Yeah, so I, I think, um, as I mentioned, you know, the before, the the airlines and uh, all of us included really didn't have any idea how long it would last. So the airlines were obviously not keen to make any big investments in anything. And um, I think the quickest and easiest way at the outset was to use um, either spray-on or uh, wipe on uh, chemicals, chemical disinfectants or microbials, you know, just to sort of make a, a cleaner surface for their passengers. Um, there were some advances in that area as we went along. I, there was these ionized sprayers that, you know, kept the microbial on the surface a lot longer. But as I mentioned before, um, airlines started to see that uh, in some cases, you know, the, their brand new interiors were getting discolored or there was issues with uh, chemical residue on some of the parts, um, especially in the, in the cockpit, in the flight deck. Um, they, they discovered very quickly that they couldn't use any of these spray chemicals on any, any of the avionics because any liquids or anything like that, which would seep into radios or expensive bits of uh, equipment we have in the flight deck and uh, we're quickly ruining them so that had to be stopped and you know that that was one of our big ideas not only for the cabin where we could say well we don't need to use uh, chemicals we don't need to have this long uh, wait time for the chemicals to uh, subside because a, a lot of these um, chemicals that were used had a dwell time of up to you know, even 30 or 45 minutes before passengers could board. So one of the ideas we had was by using UVC light to disinfect, we can just drive up and down the aisle with our robot, which would only take, you know, five or 10 minutes and uh, improve on turnaround times. And the other, the other big thing was um, in an area where you couldn't use chemicals like the flight deck, you know, to sit a smaller unit like we now have, uh, we call it Sparks. Are it's sort of a uh, you know maybe two or three feet high by eight inch diameter base. It can sit even right on the console of a flight deck and disinfect in all directions up to you know one and a half meters in, in, in either case. So there there's a great example of something that doesn't harm anything but sort of gets the job done. The um, the uh, the modern airplanes, of course, uh, they, they talk a lot about having a really great air filtration system. So the 787 that I fly has HEPA filters that will um, screen particulates at about 0.2 microns, which catches just about anything. So that's really great for once the passengers get on board. Uh, we can run our auxiliary power unit to run the air conditioning packs and use that filtration. And of course, the air conditioning system is running during flight, but it was just the the other bits, which is uh, surfaces to be cleaned and disinfected after after passengers from a previous flight had uh, departed, and then what you know what to do in those interim times. In other words, during boarding, before we get uh, get the air condition air conditioning system going again. So. As far as the autonomy that's introduced by the use of the Sparks and the Ray technology that Aerohygienics provides, can you talk about how the use of that autonomy can help to reduce the amount of time required to disinfect an aircraft 
such as the 787. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, you know, obviously the big thing about UVC is it's uh, it's wonderful for disinfection. We've we've proven that we can get up to log four or log five, or let's say 99.99% of pathogens uh, removed from surfaces. And uh, but the UVC technology or the UVC light uh, is not so great for us. So we really can't be around it. It's, it can give us a severe sunburn or it can be uh, bad for your eyes. So we have to be you know, well away from it when we use it. So our, our technology allows autonomous operation. You don't have to be anywhere near it when it's, uh, when it's being used. So, you know, as an example, to save time on a turnaround, the Sparks unit, as I mentioned before, fits nicely into the flight deck. You could uh, put it on the console stand, close the flight deck door, and then run it uh, autonomously for however long it takes, three, four minutes. And now you have a disinfected cockpit and no one had to be around there at all. And the same with the, uh, the Ray robot in the, in the uh, cabin. It can, it can be done, uh, you know, section by section of the, of the, the cabin, or it can even be done after the, the grooming crew come along and remove all the sort of garbage and waste and things like that from the previous flight. And as a sort of a final step before allowing passengers to board, you can have the robot run back down the aisles and back to uh, to sort of give that final preparation. So it's something that I think overall it it's it saves on um, uh, it certainly saves on manual uh, preparations and manual time used uh, for disinfection by grooming crews, and it also uh, allows airlines to do a more complete job in a place like a flight deck, which otherwise uh, can't be done using the traditional methods. Now, as far as you know, an aircraft like the 787, a couple questions about that. Um, just how many times does an aircraft like that need to be disinfected? Is it just between every flight? And a, a second part to that question, JP, is, you know, especially with your experience over the pandemic, did did you see the introduction of new requirements for disinfection by you know, either Transport Canada, the FAA, EASA, uh, any of the civil aviation authorities you've been exposed to? Yeah, no, I think the, um, I, I can't recall that, that governments uh, made any requirements for us. They, they did make a lot of other rules about how we handled uh, passengers, uh, you know, making sure that passengers were vaccinated and, and wore masks and that sort of thing. But the the airlines were really left on, up to their their own uh, to make their own decisions about what they did for uh, for cleaning and disinfection. Everyone obviously thought that we needed to sort of pay more attention to that, and because so little was known about how things um, how things work in the in the virus spreading, um, we learned from the aircraft manufacturers that you know their um, the HEPA filters and air filtration systems work quite well in flight, but it was just a matter of, um, you know, what do we do in between flights in, in preparing for the um, for the next group? Uh, you know, you asked about what do we do during the flight? Um, at, at the moment, really, really nothing other than depending on uh, these, these HEPA filters, as I mentioned. We did have an idea that, you know, uh, maybe a cool thing to invent would be something that could disinfect the lab each time 
a passenger used it. And we've even thought of coming up with something like that where we can activate uh, a UV light to a locked uh, lavatory door each time or af after, after a passenger uses it each time. But there are some challenges with that because that involves uh, a power source, a battery. And um, of course, that's a very sensitive issue when it comes to getting approval from the regulators. Um, having batteries on board is always takes a, a lot of uh, a big approval process, shall we say. Right. You know, here's another follow-up question just for you as a, a, a um, kind of experienced pilot, especially flying the 77. This issue of disinfection and, and especially the um, concern over over just having it occur, in, especially in between flights, was it something that you just as a pilot even really considered that much before, uh, you know, the, the pandemic and, and COVID-19 became such a big issue for not only aviation, but so many industries. Uh, was it something that you really, you know, were considering or was it just kind of a normal workflow process as a pilot? Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, that's something that we've always kind of struggled with uh, is is uh, what kind of condition can we can we keep our aircraft in? Um, it's, it's something that uh, you know, you've you've alluded to it before. The airlines are always um, looking to maximize use of their fleet. So, uh, you know, the airplane is only making money when it's when it's off the ground. And so, um, it, it's all about saving time and uh, doing things most efficiently on the ground. I, I think the the cleanliness of aircraft has always been a concern to to airlines and to pilots. And it's how do we how do we best do this in, in the most efficient way? And we haven't always maybe paid enough attention to that over the years, but the pandemic certainly focused people's attention on, you know, make, making sure that we are driving around in uh, in a clean ship. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. No, you, you definitely did. And, and it actually takes me to my next question as well, is sort of the adoption of this technology by the industry and some of the partnerships that Aerohygenics has formed specifically on your website. It lists MHIRJ, Mitsubishi Regional, Regional Jet, uh, De Havilland, Stellar Aviation Solutions, Jet MS, Marvel Aviation Solution as some partners. What type of partnerships is Aerohygenics involved in with some of the companies listed there? Yeah, so, um, well, with, with De Havilland and with MHIRJ, which is uh, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, and they bought the rights to the, the regional jet, which Bombardier originally built. Uh, those are both aircraft manufacturers, or OEMs. And we went through some, some very rigorous uh, testing sessions with, with both of them, so to qualify our products in their aircraft maintenance manual. Uh, for inclusion in their aircraft maintenance manual. So, you know, as, as an aircraft manufacturer, they want to make sure that um, the product doesn't uh, damage their interiors in any way and, and also that it's effective. So we sort of had to convince them of that. And for that matter, as, as far as the airlines are concerned, you know, before using any kind of a product, they really want to make sure that they have the approval both of the aircraft manufacturer and of, of their own country regulator. So this is why it's so important that we we achieved uh, approval from Health Canada 
which is uh, a big milestone for our company. The fact that they've now uh, given us a registration for the, for the product. Um, the other the other ones that you mentioned there, the um, Stellar Aviation, Jet MS, Marvel, uh, they're all regional distributors for our products. So we have customers in Canada, USA, um, the Middle East, Europe, and even Africa, where we've sold some of the products. And um, these other companies, we just have uh, distribution or sales relationships uh, to, uh, to market our products. Interesting, I see. And, and there have been a number of airline partnerships listed on your website as well. Uh, Ethiopian Airlines, Avelo, a new U.S. carrier. Uh, it also lists Zambia Airways. So you are starting to see some adoption of aerohygienics by airlines directly. Um, can you tell us what is aerohygienics kind of focused on for the remainder of the year? Are you looking to um, you know, educate more airlines and, and, and more um, operators about the use of aerohygienics technology for disinfecting aircraft. Yeah, well, we we certainly are. We're we're continuing to try to educate um, airlines and uh, you know trying to get the get the buy in and uh, to sort of see the efficiencies. I, I'd say for a, a longer term play, aerohygienics is looking to expand uh, the the use of the product. Uh, perhaps beyond the aviation industry. So we, we see all kinds of other uh, use cases, especially for our smaller unit sparks, where you know any small space that needs to be disinfected, like a, you know, like a, an office or a hotel room or a change room or the back of an ambulance or uh, anything like that, um, as long as you can set it up autonomously and protect that no, uh, no human is going to go in there while it's on, then the... Uh, the uses are endless, and with with Ray, the autonomous robot, um, you know, we we show quite convincingly that we can drive up and down the aisle of an aircraft very accurately in uh, very close tolerances. But um, we're now working towards uh, mapping out um, uh, a space, any kind of a space, to accurately and efficiently disinfect that room in the same way that. Uh, if you think of like a Roomba vacuum cleaner or something like that, this uh, Ray can do the same thing. He can map out a room and and drive around. So the um, I think the possibilities are endless. They certainly could be. Well, that was a really interesting story to learn about and, you know, learn more about your experience flying through the pandemic and some of the, you know, uh, sort of challenges that this technology can solve for airlines. So, JP, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Uh, it was my pleasure, Woodrow, and uh, thank you very much for having me today. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. <laughs>